Um, in case you forgot, my name, I'm Jonathan. I'm not Kelly, just to be clear. Um, that's the other speaker. You might not recognize us out of costume, especially Kelly. Um, so if you're confused, I thought I'd start the morning with ways you can tell Jonathan and Kelly apart. Um, this, and it will, it'll be important later in the sermon. So number one, Kelly's a woman, Jonathan's a man. Number two, Jonathan's wife, Liz, is pregnant. Kelly's husband, Ryan, to my knowledge, is not pregnant. Um, number three, Kelly is fun and exciting. Jonathan, less so. And you might think, like, I'm being hard on myself. But if you ask Kelly, like, to tell you stories from her life, many of them are fun and exciting. If you ask me to tell you a story about my childhood, I would think about, uh, I grew up going to a Christian camp uh, every summer. A lot of you went there. I know Lakeside Bible Camp on Whidbey Island. Yeah, and hey, hey, did you come to say hi? This is my sermon. Yeah, you want to go sit with mommy for a minute? No. <laughs> That's Lucy. Um, so when I was in, I think, fourth or fifth grade, I went to boys camp. And uh, in the middle of the night, it was a night like, like last night where, you know, many people had stayed up late. And um, our camp directors burst into our cabin and they said, boys, we have a serious problem. Get down to the dining hall right now. And of course, we're terrified. And I thought like, I don't know what I thought, like somebody had died or something, but... <laughs> We were freaked out, so we all get down there eventually. It's the middle of the night, and they come out of the kitchen, and they go, boys, we have too much ice cream, and we have to eat it right now before it melts. And then, so everyone's, ah, cheering, the ice cream of the night, except for me. And I go up to my, my cabin leader, and I said, can I go back to bed? I don't like being woken up in the middle of the night for no reason. <laughs> So he said, yeah, sure. So I went back to bed, and then everyone had to be quiet when they came back to the cabin because Jonathan was sleeping. So all that to say, there's a, there's a fun and exciting campus pastor, Kelly, and there's Jonathan. <laughs> so um, I also, I've, I've really enjoyed reading some of these things you guys wrote down right, uh, last night, and I'm going to use them later in the sermon, but I wanted to read two of my favorites first. One, one thing I know about Jesus he had a disciple named Matthew. My name is Matthew. That's totally anonymous. I hope I didn't out somebody, but. Number two, he loves us no matter what. Owen M, kid, it says. So Owen, good job if you're in here. That's, that's Jeff's son, Owen. I just like that he made sure to mention he was a kid in case I didn't know. Um, but I have other good ones that we'll, that we'll read later. So we're going to talk about life in the Spirit this weekend, and we're going to look at three different parts of Scripture in our three sessions that talk about the Holy Spirit and how, how those apply to us today. So um, I'm assuming that we come from really different places this morning, different backgrounds and experiences of the Holy Spirit. Some of you ha- are, keep saying, what is he saying, Holy Spirit? I don't know what that means. I don't know what he's talking about. I've never heard of this before. And there's people like you in the Bible. There's, there's a part in Acts uh, where, where um, they go and they, they start talking about the Holy Spirit with these people who have believed in Jesus, and they're like, what are you talking about? We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What is this about? 
Um, Some of you, though, were here last year at CCF where we spent all of winter quarter talking about the Holy Spirit on Friday nights. So you're like, yeah, we've we've talked about this quite a bit. Um, You feel pretty caught up on who he is, what he does. Some of you, I assume, grew up in a church community, a community of faith that talked about the Holy Spirit a lot. I assume some of you did not. Others, others of you probably grew up in a church community that didn't talk about the Holy Spirit, and what you've seen or heard about him is mostly comes from TV, Christian TV stations, and you think that's weird. Some of you didn't grow up in church at all. Some of you would say, I'm not, I'm not a Christian right now, um, and you're like, I, I really... I have no background to go on with this. So for all of us, I think the most important thing we can do, whatever our background is, is actually look at the scripture and see what it says about the Holy Spirit, see what God himself has to say to us about this. So that's what we're going to do. Um, so uh, just, I, I said this last night, but just so you know, we're not going to be able to cover everything that you're wondering. Um, and so we will have Q&A time right after lunch in here at 1.15, and so Kelly and I will be here, and David slash Noah will be here um, to talk to you about that, so we'll just circle up some chairs and, and we'll talk. It's a place you can come and say, I've heard these things about the Holy Spirit, and I want to get a second opinion about that, or I, you know, this has always confused me, or can you, can you explain to me some basic stuff, or some, like, here's some pretty detailed stuff that I want to talk about. All, all, anything you want to bring, we'll just talk. So um, that, that's, that's kind of our cover in case we don't answer the thing that you're wondering in our sermons. So I'm just going to pray before, uh, before we jump into the scripture. Lord Jesus, you are, what we were just singing, you are Lord of all, and there's nothing I want more as we look at the scripture than that your name would be lifted higher. You are worthy of our worship and our, and our love and our devotion to you. And so we thank you for giving us your spirit, and we thank you that, that you want to teach us through your word this morning. And so we, we open our hearts to you and, and open our minds to whatever you want to tell us, Lord. So we pray that in, in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so let's start. We'll look at the scripture I chose for this morning. You can find it in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, go ahead. If you don't, if you don't have a Bible and you say, man, I really wish I had a Bible, we can make that happen. So come, come talk to someone on staff at some point. We'll make that happen for sure. Um, and if you have a Bible and you don't know where the Gospel of John is, just ask someone next to you. That's totally not weird at all to ask. Um, no one will judge you for not knowing where it is. So go ahead and ask. Um, and well, and I'll have the words on the screen also. So, so Gospel of John chapter 14. And in this, there's, this is sort of a series of chapters where, um, it, where Jesus is talking to his closest, most devoted followers. And they've been living with him and listening to him and, and watching him and trusting him usually um, for about three years at this point, and it's toward the end of his life on earth. And so uh, John 14, verses 16 through 18, um, here's what Jesus says to them. He says, I will ask the Father, which is what Jesus called God, the Father, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
So if you keep reading the whole chapter, which you're welcome to do, um, it, it becomes clear that when Jesus says the spirit of truth, what he, who he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. Um, it's just, he, there's, there's several names that the Holy Spirit is called in the Bible. And this is, this is one of the first times that, that Jesus teaches his followers directly about the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit has been active and, and talked about throughout Scripture and in Jesus' life and ministry, but here Jesus starts to teach about him explicitly, and he says, something powerful is going to happen when I leave. The Holy Spirit will, will live with you and be in you, and you will know him. And uh, as it becomes clear in the chapter 2, and in everyone who follows Jesus, this is, this is going to be an ongoing promise. So what I'm going to zoom in on is essentially just two words that Jesus said to help us understand who the Holy Spirit is. And then hopefully this will set us up well for the rest of the weekend, just to understand who he is. So those two words are another advocate. Jesus says I will, that the Father will give, give us another advocate. And so we're going to talk about those words. First, another, and then advocate. That's it, just that. So um, in Greek, which is what the, what the Gospel of John was written in, in ancient Greek, another advocate is alas parakletos, which obviously you could have you know, figured out from reading that. Um, so for example, it, it, so in Greek, there were, there were two words you could use for another. There's alas and there's another one. Um, if you were going to go home and speak ancient Greek to your friends after this weekend, then you would probably say there were two speakers at camp. There was a really fun and exciting speaker, Kelly, and then there was another speaker, Jonathan. And you wouldn't use alas, because you would, you would use alas for things that are very, very similar. And so if you were describing someone really fun and exciting and another person, you wouldn't use alas. But on the other hand, if Jesus, um, when Jesus talks about um, turning the other cheek, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, well, don't you need a microphone, then, then turn the left, um, he's, he uses alas, because they're essentially the same, right? It's, we're talking about another of the same kind. So alas means another thing that's, that's very, very similar or exactly like the first thing that I'm talking about. So we'll talk about what advocate means in a minute, but for now, just know that, that Jesus is describing himself as the first advocate that God sent and the Holy Spirit as the second one. And so what he's saying is, I'm going away, but God is going to send you another advocate who's just like me. Just like me. So, so similar that I'll, I'll use this word that's describing two things that are almost exactly alike. And so that's why I asked you to write down some of these things last night. Things that you know that you know are true about Jesus. Because I, I was so encouraged reading these because it's clear that many of you are so grateful for Jesus and what he's done for you. Um, and I want us to take a look at, at these. So Jesus is constant. What that means is if the Holy Spirit is just like him, then the Holy Spirit is constant. Jesus sets me free from fear and makes it possible to get closer to God. That's true. So the Holy Spirit sets us free from fear and makes it possible to get closer to God. Jesus loves me despite my mental illness. That means the Holy Spirit loves me despite my mental illness. Jesus is faithful and he hears us. That means the Holy Spirit is faithful and he hears us. Jesus is a healer. That means the Holy Spirit is a healer. How many of you have ever thought at some point in your life, I, I wonder what it would have been like 
to like actually talk with Jesus and walk with him and be with him. And I wish I could have done that. There's like a part of me that wishes that could have been my experience. Anyone ever felt that way? I saw a couple nods. Yeah, I have too. Jesus is saying that if, if you become part of God's family, if you trust and follow him, then the Holy Spirit is with you and in you, and you've had that experience because he's just like Jesus. I thought about this. The early Christians, as you read their stories and their experience, after Jesus is gone, they, they don't sit around wishing that Jesus had never left and just saying, oh, I really miss that. It's interesting. Like, it never talks about them missing him or being sad that he's gone. And I thought, why is that? I think it's because in a very real way for them, he wasn't gone. They had such a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit and, they, and these are people who knew what it meant to, to be with Jesus, to talk with him and walk with him and actually experience what that was like. And they said, you know what? Having the Holy Spirit in us, with us, having God himself come to us in this way, it's just like being with Jesus. It's like the same thing. So they didn't feel, they didn't feel like, oh, we'll just mope around and be sad that Jesus is gone. They said, he's still here with us. When, we, when we, we have such a relationship with the Holy Spirit that it's like he's right here with us. And so they just went about his work. They just did the things that Jesus did. They, they healed the sick and they performed miracles and they preached good news and they cared for each other. And, and that was, because the Holy Spirit was with them, the same ministry that Jesus did just continued uninterrupted because it was like he never left. The presence of God was so real to them, it was, it was like Jesus was still there. He, the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus, and he's, he's carrying on Jesus' work today. And what that means is, if he's just like Jesus, that means if you know Jesus, you already know the Holy Spirit. Even if you feel like, I don't know, I don't really know anything about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I've never been taught anything. You already know him. If you've trusted Jesus and you've, and you've been given new life and you're part of his family, then you already know the Holy Spirit. He gave you his spirit. Um, there are times in the book of Acts even where they, they call the Holy Spirit the spirit of Jesus. Because that, that they're, they're so connected. I, I started to realize it, even... Um, at times, we, we might not notice the Holy Spirit in our lives or at work because we're, actually, we're calling him Jesus. So, for example, I hear people say, and I myself have said, that, that Jesus gave me the courage to have this conversation that I needed to have. And I thought, well, technically, the Holy Spirit is the one that does that in the Scripture. He's the one who gives us courage. Or Jesus will, will pray, Jesus, make me more like you. But technically, that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, right? He, part of what he does in us is to make us more like Jesus. Um, or we say, Jesus is with me everywhere I go. But technically, Jesus left, and, the Holy, and he sent the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. <laughs> now, normally, I am a huge fan of precise language, sort of a family value, going back generations of my family. <laughs> where we say, well, technically, and for some reason it annoys people. Um, <laughs> so you might think that I'm, I'm criticizing you for saying these things. Oh, you should stop saying that. Stop saying Jesus when you mean the Holy Spirit, which normally would be a pretty good assumption that I'm criticizing you for that. But I, I ran into a problem as I kept reading the scripture, right, that we just read. So, because Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
after he left. And he's talking about sending the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, I will come to you. And I feel like rule number one for being a follower of Jesus is that you don't say to him, well, technically, Jesus, don't you mean the Holy Spirit will come to us? Because you said you were leaving. Jesus apparently was not so concerned about using precise language to distinguish himself from the Holy Spirit, from his spirit, from God's spirit, which, as a side note, is kind of why we developed the doctrine of the Trinity as a Christian community. I mean, not us. I mean, like a long time ago, because they said he's the same, Jesus is the same as his Father, but different, and it's the same as the Holy Spirit, but different, and so it's the best they were able to come up with. I think it works pretty well. But that, my point is not to explain the Trinity. My point is that the Holy Spirit is so much just like Jesus that Jesus can say, I will come to you. And it's, the, and, and it's the same thing. I will come to you. So if you ever have felt nervous talking about the Holy Spirit, what I'm trying to tell you this morning is you don't have to be nervous. If you know Jesus, you already know the Holy Spirit. And in fact, you're probably talking about him all the time already. So that's what I see in the word another. Another advocate is just like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. Um, So let's turn our attention to the word advocate, the second word we're going to look at. In Greek, parakletos. And parakletos means one called alongside to help or someone who is your advocate or your defender. It it was used often as a courtroom term. So it's the person who argues your case, someone who's on your side against your opponent. It's not the prosecutor, it's your defense attorney. I want to pause a second and think about what that means. Because I I think Jesus is saying something that we, we often take for granted about God. Jesus is saying that God is for us, not against us. Jesus says he's your advocate. He's arguing for you. If you're on trial, he's not the prosecutor. He's, he's, he's defending you. And the Holy Spirit plays that same role for you. That, that God is so much for you that he would send you two defense attorneys, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, to defend you. Do you know what the word Satan means, literally? Anyone? Accuser. It's the opposite of parakletos. An accuser is the one who's always looking for your shortcomings, the one who says, ah, here's what's wrong, here's why this person doesn't deserve anything. But an advocate comes to help you. And what that means is that God is not the one looking for ways to tally up your mistakes and to, and to say, here, I've made a list of everything you've done wrong. Instead, he said, actually, I'm going to send you two defense attorneys to plead your case against your enemy who stands against you. First, he sent Jesus to die for us, and then he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us forever. And that means that God wants our best. And I'm not at all saying that God always will make you happy, because that's not true. And um, I'm not saying that you'll never have any problems, because that's not true. But what I mean is that no matter what you face in your life, no matter what comes your way, you can be confident that God is for you, that he wants what is best for you long term. He wants your freedom. He wants your joy. He wants you to be at peace with people around you. He wants you to have purpose and meaning in your life. He wants you to to not live in fear. He wants you to thrive. He wants what is best. 
And again, I think, in, especially in Christian culture in the U.S., it's something we take for granted. Of course God is for us. Of course God is on our side. But I think it's actually a profound thing that we should not assume about God. Why would we assume that God would be on our side? I, I think that if you, if you study most cultures and most of history, the gods that most people have worshipped have not been their advocate. They haven't been on their side. They haven't been saying, I, want, I absolutely want what is best for humanity. I absolutely want what is best. I will defend them. I would die for them. I, will, I want to be with them. It's actually a very unusual belief about God that we have. And think about what it would mean if the Holy Spirit was our accuser instead of our advocate. Think about that. If if God was actively blaming, condemning, criticizing, making a list, here's what's wrong with your life all the time. And that was his main goal. For When I thought about my life, I thought that would be a catastrophe because God knows everything about me. God made me and knows everything about me, and there is so much to blame and criticize and condemn. In my life, I would be so lost if God was my accuser. He knows everything about me. And I think maybe that some of you have thought about God like this, that you think of God as pointing his finger at you. Aha, I caught you. I knew you would make a mistake. And if you've thought about God this way, because I actually think it's a common way to think about God, um, then I think you will find that as the more you dig into the scripture, the more life you will find. The scriptures will be a source of life for you. Um, and that doesn't matter if you grew up Christian or not, or if you're Christian or not today. I think a, a lot of us have these messages running in our minds that God is against us. Um, I think some of us have messages running in our mind that says, no one, you're kind of on your own. No one's really for you 100%. You have to do things yourself. Uh, people don't care about you that much. But that's not true. When you, when you hear those things in your mind, that's the accuser. That's not your advocate. Don't, don't receive those messages when you, when you hear them in your mind. Some of you have messages running in your mind that say, God knows your secrets. God sees everything. And, and God loves good people, but he doesn't love you. I feel, like, dirty saying that out loud because that is so the voice of the devil. Like, I, that was hard for me to say out loud because that is such a lie. <laughs> but it's, but it's, it runs in our minds. God loves good people, but he doesn't love me. And, and that is not true. That is an accuser's voice. That is not the voice of someone who would come and give his life for you and defend you. So don't receive that. Some of you have a message in your head that says, God, doesn't, God, God wants to make your life miserable. He wants to control your life. He wants you to follow these rules because he, he wants to control you. But that's not true either. If God has ever told you anything, it was because he wants your best. It's because he, want, he's, he wants to offend you. To say that God can't be trusted, God, God wants to control your life, that's exactly the voice of the accuser. That's not the voice of the one who wants to defend you. Don't receive that. The truth is none of those things. The truth is such good news that the, the God who created us out of love is so much on our side that he first became human to save us, and then he sent us another advocate to be with us forever. So we would always have someone to defend us who is with us. That is who the Holy Spirit is. 
fundamentally, that's the first thing Jesus taught us about him. He is for you. He's always with you. That God himself has come to be among us and in us by his spirit. That he has not left us alone and that he, he, that he wants to be with us. That God wants to be with us. So these are the two things I want to be going over and over in your mind this whole weekend. When you think about the Holy Spirit, that he is just like Jesus and that he is for you. And everything else, anything else you've ever heard about the Holy Spirit has to line up with those things. It's the first things Jesus taught us about him. Um, You know, we we always hope to bring you good news whenever we speak out of the Bible to you because the Bible is good news. That's what Jesus came to declare good news. That's what he said. Um, sometimes, though, we have to share good news with you that doesn't feel good right away. Sometimes, it, you know, it means you have to sacrifice things, even though it'll always be worth it. It's still sacrifice. It rubs you the wrong way. And, um, sometimes, you know, good news is hard news at first, but this morning isn't like that at all. This morning is just purely great news. This is so wonderful. That is so exciting for me to say this this morning, that, the, that God wants to be with you and loves us so much that he would come himself to be with us forever, to be for us. And that he's, the, the Holy Spirit is just, everything you know about Jesus, he's just like that in his character. He's the spirit of Jesus. So it, it means that God has not abandoned us. It means that that whatever you face in your life, God is with you. That is his promise. I will not leave you. I will come to you. And what this means also is that you can trust God. You can trust the Holy Spirit. He is just like Jesus, and he's for you, so you can trust him. God created you. You can trust him. Jesus died for you. You can trust him. The Holy Spirit is with you now, and you can trust him. So don't believe it if people talk to you about the Holy Spirit and they say he's scary and he's weird. He's not. He's 100% trustworthy. You can trust him. And we're going to talk more about trust tonight, so tuck that away. But I want that to be ringing in your mind all weekend, too. I can trust God. I can trust the Holy Spirit. I can trust him. He's, he can be completely trusted. Um, if you have something to write with, I want you to write one thing down as we, as we close. Uh, I hope that you will write something down. Last night we wrote one thing you know is true about Jesus. I want you to write one thing that you know is true about the Holy Spirit. Something that is personally meaningful to you. It could be the same thing you wrote about Jesus, or it could be different. It could be something you thought of this morning. Something that's true about the Holy Spirit that's meaningful to you. Take a second and write that down. Make sure you keep those after whatever you wrote it in, because we're, we're going to have time with small groups to talk about this stuff, and so you'll want those for that. Um, worship team, you guys can come back up, too, if you're done writing. I think that this morning, you know, we're going we're gonna to go into a small group time and, and we're going to talk. But before we did that, um, I thought it would be good for us to take some time. I think the most appropriate response to what we're reading in the scripture this morning is that we would be really thankful. 
That we, I think that what I found in, in reading this and, and praying through it and thinking how profound it is that, the whole, that God is for us and, and defending us, um, I felt really thankful. <laughs> um, we can be thankful that we're not alone. We can be thankful that God wants to be with us. We can be thankful that God actually wants what's good for us. He doesn't play games with us just to see what will happen, like for his own amusement, that he wants what's good for us. Uh, We can be thankful for all the things you guys said, that he's constant, that he frees us from fear, that he loves us, that he's faithful, that he's a healer, that the Holy Spirit is all those things, and he's here with us all the time. So I'm just going to pray, and and we're going to respond with some, some songs of thankfulness to God. Uh, before we before we move to our next thing, so let 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 me pray for us, Lord. Um, I thank you that you didn't leave us alone. I thank you so much that you not only would come and sacrifice yourself to save us, that you would rescue us from sin and from death and from everything broken in the world. Not only would you give yourself to death for our sake, but then you also came to us in our everyday life by your spirit, that you are here now and you are here with us wherever we go. I thank you that you cared enough to defend us from lies and from everything in the world that would be against what you are doing from from all the good that you are doing in the world. We thank you that you sent someone who is strong and powerful and for us. And so we want, to, we want to have everything that we do this weekend to flow out of a sense of gratefulness to you for who you are and for what you've done for us. And so, Lord, we, we worship you this morning in, in the presence of your spirit and in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.